The place of scripture that I will read is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Now imitate me as I do Christ. And so this place of scripture is in Ephesians 4th chapter verse 22 that you put off your your that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. For some time, a man worked for me. They called me. I was looking for a an employee. He was an elderly man, about 70 years. He's on a pension, but he's very strong. And and so I met with him. I saw that he's sober, a Christian man. And they told me that he was previously not Christian in the Soviet Union. He, he then received Christ. He was in the army. And I had never been myself in the army. And, and so I'd then bring him to work and, uh, and present him as to the other employees. So... As, as the general he was, and when he heard this, he almost lost his breath from such words. I just wanted to respectfully present him to kind of elevate him a little bit, and that's, he was a good employee. And so one brother approached me after church and said, thank you for the word, you prepared the word well, may the Lord bless you. I wanted to say that the word that's prepared is prepared by the person whom God has uh, given it to so that uh, he can prepare us to meet with him. We are the waters. We take these words that have already been prepared prior to us. And so to state it correctly, I speak from myself. you, you need to prepare yourself. There's a lot of word, and it's already ready, but you need to prepare yourself, just as all of you, because it says, be ready at all times. We're ready at every hour. And especially now, when you see all these things happening, coming to pass, you'll know you're at the door. <clears throat> and of course, watching and hearing and seeing, watching the inner person, how he's trembling, how he's preparing himself, we know that we are at the door. And so I rejoice that I have the, the, the gladness, just as all of the saints of God, to remain in this word, to submerge into it and re- be ready for it at every time. Another place of scripture in the hour that you may not think is when the Son of Man will come. But you need to be ready. The essence is 
not in trying to find uh, the time when the week will begin. Oh, have, are we in it? Are we not in it? Sometimes the mind is trying to pinpoint exactly where the timings are or is. And, the, and Christ said to the, to the disciples, the hour in which you do not think or expect we approximately know, but there's, an, a, there's a command, be, re, be ready at any time and every time. How? By submerging into the truth, abiding in this word, and of course, this depends on every one of us. It is good for us to be here because we have gathered to incline our ear, to uh, study this word, to cling ourselves to it, to dedicate ourselves to it, knowing that this word is given from God to prepare us to meet with the Lord. And so in this revelation, we see three verbs, to put off, be renewed, and put on. We have been focused on the word to be clothed, and the bride, she was given the ability to be arrayed in, in new garments, and so a heart that's prepared to listen to the word of God. When the heart is not prepared, when I have my own thoughts, my own maybe um, dissatisfaction, if we are not uh, conjoined to or joined with the uh Saints, when someone says, well, I really have my own opinion on this. I met with one person. He was trying to convince me of something, and I told him, I am sorry, I can't. It was just other work-related. I'm sorry, I can't. I have a feast today. And he said, what kind of feast? I said, the feast of the Lord. You know the feasts of the Lord. I didn't know that, but he was a... Jewish man and he said he was Ivan and you said usually a Jew, Jewish, Jew, Jewish people tend to have names that are Abraham or other names that are biblical and so he wasn't Ivan really he kind of adjusted his name and so he does celebrate the Rosh Hashan and other ones that are uh, followed typically by the uh, Jewish holidays. And I told him, we also celebrate as the nation of God celebrates, we celebrate as well. And he was surprised, oh, you are our people. And I said, I love the Jewish nation, I said, and I have a great uh, respect and acceptance of them. And so he asked me, what nationality are you? And I told him, you know, there's a supernatural nationality, and he sent the Messiah. And when he sent the Messiah, he established a nationality that's the new person in Christ Jesus, and I'm of that nationality. And I see he had great doubts, but before being clothed into our new person, we are called to put off, first of all, and then be renewed by the spirit of our mind, and then what we do, what we're studying now, to be clothed, we need to see how we need to be clothed. By faith, it's written, we know that the generations are established by God, that what is visible was made from the invisible. How was the world created? From the invisible. 
it was already existing. The plan of God already was there. Everything, everything to the detail was planned, and then God said, let there be light, and all things started uh, being created at, after that. And so from the invisible to put on uh, bright and fine linen, we need to perfectly understand how it is to be clothed, and we hear that the reader can easily read it. All of these details, everything that is written there, to the letter, to the period. The Lord is actually very attentive to detail, as we can see. From the law, as it is written, uh, there's nothing that won't be fulfilled. Everything will be fulfilled uh, that God had promised. It shall come to pass what He spoke in the Law of Moses, Prophets, and Psalms. But for it to be fulfilled, we need to study it. And so it's good that we're here. Studying being clothed or clothing ourselves into our new person, we found this process in seven uh, components, each of which finds its way and its place in demonstration in Scripture. One who is clothed in fine and bright linen is a person clothed into garments of salvation, and one that is clothed into garments of justice, one that is crowned with the crown of a groom, one that has the bridal decor of a bride, one that is, has put on wedding clothes, one who has a bright and fi- fine linen garment, and one that has accepted the, the presenting power of Yahweh. The virtue of a new person, which are the garments of the bride, is the virtue of a prophet, or first a king, a prophet, and then a priest. For God to be able to clothe a person into garments of righteousness, he needs to fulfill conditions of of being a student, having humility, as it says in 1 Peter 5.5, likewise you younger people, submit yourself to your elders, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so, a, an arrogant person is not able to see the new person, and why are not are they not able to learn? Because they don't believe the words that come out of God's mouth. The ability to know the mind of, of Christ, to be able to judge His intentions, and then be clothed into our new person, is not just in a general term new person. But we are clothed into our new person, and each one is responsible for it. The garments of righteousness is the ability to know the ways of the Lord and to collaborate with His mercy and His truth. In uh, Psalms it is written that mercy and peace shall come together and righteousness and peace shall also unite. And so mercy and truth as God's mercy and truth are God's ways. In scripture we see God's ways or God's commandments or God's teaching that consists of a multitude of different types of truth. This is a bond of many truths that present God's ways, which is God's way, the one way of God. 
the way of truth and life, Jesus Christ. They are fundamental. This, this is a fundamental discipline, an example by which a relationship of God flows. Hosea 14.6 His branches shall spread, his beauty shall be like an olive tree, and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do to anyone with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who, who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. A wise person is a person that says, uh, Lord, I don't have wisdom because how can I have it unless you give it to me? And someone who says they understand, if they don't listen to God, they don't understand. According to this place, we can conclude that God's ways, His mercy and truth is justice upon which God performs His judgment and His vengeance. And so the righteous then receive the right and power to walk in these ways so they can perform justice. The lawless, they fall upon these ways because they stumble upon the discipline of curse and blessing that identify God's justice upon his ways of righteousness and truth. For 40 years I have grieved with that generation and said it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Psalm 95, 10, 11. And so truth that comes forth from the ground is one that is the truth received into the heart and uh, dissolved within the heart. And so your obedience your preparedness to be obedient when we hear the word then we have this opportunity to receive it take it in and be obedient to it and so gentleness and humility being clothed into the new person this is the garments of righteousness we by the confessions of the faith of our heart then are clothed into righteousness the righteous faith of our heart this is the garments in which the bride is clothed into identifying what the ways of the Lord are, which are the collaboration of His mercy with His truth. In Job 29.9, we see the next things. And so we may bring forth several different components, but it's not really in the number of components. Although it's important, but it's not really the number that matters here. Uh, if you list, say, seven different components, uh, Psalm says in, 100, in the 119th Psalm that I've seen the uh, pretty much the limit of all perfections, the <coughs> limitation of all perfection, uh, but His wisdom is exceedingly great. <coughs> we note that the presence of God's mercy over our tent is our relationship with the delegated authority of God, which is testimony that within our life, 
we have God's mercy. And of course, this is upon the condition that we acknowledge God's authority and obey it according to Scripture. Sons of obedience, these are vessels of mercy, that, uh, sons of mercy, and the meaning of mercy according to Scripture is his relationship with the vessels of mercy. And so mercy toward the repenting sinner, a person who has a specific status before him. God has foreknown him. God knows that this person will repent, and that's why he shows him mercy. Studying the purpose of the collaboration of the mercy of God with truth, the mercy of God with truth, the collaboration of these two, is called to take part in the regulation of our legitimate relationship with uh, God and then our relationship with other people and also with the rest of the world. Right now, there are a lot of uh, things being spoken and they people say, if you want to get married, we'll help you out and And so they uh, pretty much tell you who, it's, it's like those uh, mar- places of marriage where they find you spouses or those who may be compatible with you. Uh, and we, uh, look looking at your characteristics, your, your opinions, your, all of the things about you and compare it with someone else and seeing if you two are uh, very compatible. And so you know if you're married that this is not just a tent, this is a house you build brick by brick and 20 years pass and you still are building. God is so great and holy and we, you would say, are earthly and we compliment the Lord but don't even know His tastes. Or in a case with a marriage partner, a husband gives a wife a compliment, but she gets upset because it may not have been a compliment, in her opinion. And so the Lord may say, I don't like how they glorify me. I close my ears to it because it's not pleasant to me. And so quit doing evil in Isaiah first chapter. uh, Quit doing evil in my sight. They come, they rejoice, they celebrate, they glorify God. But he begins to close his ears and say how how unpleasant it is to me to hear these things. And so our relationship needs to be built properly. Our relationship with God, with one another, and with with the rest of the world. It is God's mercy, the ability to build this relationship. When it's between one person with another person, if you offended a person, hurt a person, and then you try to bring me a gift, God says, uh, leave your gift at the altar, go and reconcile with your brother, and then come back and bring your offering. Uh, build, fix, correct your relationship with this person. Talking about the price or condition that is necessary in order for the mercy of the Lord may be over our tent, we listed seven components for this. The price that we are called to pay. That is necessary to be fulfilled 
we need to know these points, we need to know these components and fulfill them. This truth is expanding, it is functional, it's not something you just memorize and forget. You need to abide in it. For the mercy of the Lord to be over our tent, it is necessary to not uh, have any image or idol to worship. You didn't have an idol, and then suddenly uh, a person begins to create for themselves something. Don't make for yourself anything that uh, is an image or, or idol for yourself. Second, for the mercy of the Lord to be over our tent, it is necessary not to touch what is accursed by God. Third, for the mercy of God to be over our tent, it is necessary to make the decision and place yourself the goal in any situation to turn to the Lord, but not the power of your intellect. I don't turn to, in, to the intellect, but to the scriptures. A person violates God's order and thinks he's turning to the scriptures, but he's really looking at the power of his intellect, violating God's order. How can the mercy of God then be over his tent? God's mercy won't be there. It just appears, oh, everything's good, people say. Everything's well for me. It's only for a certain time. But when you become ill, it'll be too late. For the mercy, fourth, for the mercy of God to be over our tent, it is necessary, like God, to be merciful to the vessels of mercy. Fifth, for the mercy of God to be over our tent, it is necessary not to boast by the flesh, but by the cross and Jesus Christ. And sixth, for the mercy of the Lord to be over our tent, it is necessary to sow yourself into your self-righteousness and uh, prepare your soil. And so we've been through these things and have seen them, and they're familiar to us. This place of scripture, Hosea 10, 12, it's a very powerful place of scripture, as if forgotten in some way, not very often will you hear, hear these uh, words. As a person from his childhood is Christian, and these there's certain places that really are forgotten. Hosea 10, 12, So for yourselves, righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till He comes and rains righteousness on you. I had this many times. And so I maybe didn't get enough sleep. Tuesday is there's church. And until a certain time, I thought, well, uh, Friday and Sunday are the Sabbath of the Lord. Tuesday, when I'm available, is kind of what my opinion was. But then uh, the, all the saints are gathering. I still show up. And I come, I'm tired, and I fall asleep. And then suddenly... Some kind of rain, freshness comes upon me. And the service is finishes and uh, I feel like different at the end of the service. But, you know, you prepare your heart, you, f you break up that fallow ground as it's written here, and you come and you hear the word. And you make the decision, I'll come. The Lord will support me and uphold me in this situation. 
even if I'm tired. And so, the more difficult a situation, the greater the rain that will fall, this fresh rain. Especially if we're overcoming some kind of difficulty or weakness, but we need to break it up, this ground, and make our heart soft. And the seventh, for the mercy of God to be upon our tent, it is necessary to serve with your possessions and quench the thirst of those people whom God has placed to tend His church. And the results, the results of God's mercy that abides over our tent. You know, for a wicked person, about a wicked person, it is written, in, in Psalm of David is written, the wicked shall not be before your eyes. Sometimes people don't agree. The status of a wicked person is one that was once holy, was before the face of God, was before God's eyes, but he will not be before you. At some point, he will quit being present. And David, the prophet, talks about this with a prophetic spirit. He says, the wicked shall not be before your eyes. You hate all who perform lawlessness. This means that the mercy of God, as if it was and then stopped being there, and then the Lord says the time comes and now the weeds will be plucked out with with a broom they'll be swept out but for us the righteous righteous saints who proclaim about this and count themselves this way and proclaim that not existent as existent until a specific time the Lord says and now the results. We need to examine as to whether the mercy of God is there and will it remain upon your tent when God will begin to sweep out the wicked from his church. The first result that the mercy of the Lord is upon your tent is that we will find life, righteousness, and glory. We talked about this. We will study the fifth today result. The second result that the mercy of God as the garments of righteousness are over our tent is that we will be a green olive tree in the house of God. There will be a, a green olive tree, a specific fruit that you'll bear. It won't be exalting yourself over the other trees, but understanding that we're the wild olive tree that has been grafted to the root. And the Lord said, if I did not spare even the original uh, ones. Do you think I'll spare you? Understanding that uh, that they are nourished by the same juices of this tree, this olive tree. Third result, that the mercy of God in the form of the garments of righteousness is over our tent, is the ability in any situation to be comforted by God's law. All of the prophets of God proclaimed this, for your law is a comfort to me. The ability in any situation or circumstance, and we know that even good uh, uh, situations or circumstances, it may be hard to be comforted in God. It's especially shown, of course, in difficult circumstances where a person is put into a difficult situation. If a person is able to be comforted by his law, this means that the mercy of God is over our tent. 
fourth uh, sign that the mercy of God is over our tent is that and when we will be becoming weaker, fulfilling our calling, we will be receiving help from God or support. Being coming weak, weak, uh, losing our strength, God will send us help. And we talked about how God anointed the elders and gave this help to Moses, provided this help, and he will reveal it to us. He will reveal his truth that will get to know know the truth and the truth shall set you free and the fifth sign that we are studying today is the sign that the mercy of God is over our tent is to be determined by this when our legs shall be shaking the mercy of God shall support us So it says in Psalm 94, 18, If I say, My foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. And so it slips, but he did not actually slip because God held him up. We'll read what this means. We need to understand, our pastor explains this, that in this place of Scripture, as in the book of Proverbs, where the Holy Spirit, that he himself is able, revealed through Jesus the mystery It's not talking about your simple feet and not about a a typical slipping because the shoes upon a new person is to bring good news to the world or be a light to the world within the boundaries of your calling, which is our responsibility. So Ephesians 6.15 And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so he shines his uh, son upon the righteous and unrighteous in the same way we shine our son upon the righteous and unrighteous. You call upon God. If you remember Elijah, he came up to uh, to the nation, approached the nation and said, if the Lord is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. It's in uh, First Kings. It's written. Here it's not talking again about uh, your typical feet, but to imitate God. And so if we have not prepared our heart to listen to the word of God by inclining our heart to the words of the Lord, that he passes on to us through his sermons, then we will not be able to receive anything. Psalm 78, 2, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our Father have told us. And so if the mercy of the Lord is over our tent, then it will support us. We'll read another place of Scripture so that by two or three witnesses, everything may be confirmed. So 
Proverbs 20, 28. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. And so kings, he's a king of kings and lord of lords, and he gives the ability to uh, find the truth. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his, his throne. And so mercy that upholds uh, feet that may slip is our purpose. And so this slipping will allow God to show us His mercy and support us. We have the question, what specific slipping is it referring to in this place of Scripture, stumbling or slipping, and in what situation can our feet slip? And what... It, who is responsible for the slipping of our feet? What means are to be used, or God will, will God use to support us with His mercy? And what do we need to do in order to prepare the way for the mercy of the Lord? If these, this truth is not familiar to us or not familiar fully, it's not before our eyes, we don't understand them. It is not written here before our eyes where the seal of God is in our mind, then knowing the first two questions will not help us collaborate with God's help so that He can support us or lift us up when our feet will slip. And they will slip. There are a lot of places of Scripture that talk about that. I will not just shake the heavens, but the earth also, it says. Psalm 28, or Psalm 27 through 8. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. And so those... Uh, stumbled, those were shaken, were slipping, but they had their horses, they thought that they were so intelligent, but God shook them and they fell. First question, due to what circumstance do our, during what circumstance do our feet slip, and who is behind the slipping of our feet, and what is slipping itself? According to scripture, not any form or any nature of slipping can attract God's mercy. For example, there's a nature of slipping or stumbling that will never be able to be supported by God's mercy because this type of slipping, by the words of Apostle James, will bring forth doubt and a double mind. James 1, 5 through 8, if any of you lacks wisdom, and so someone may say, well, if they lack wisdom and I don't lack it, they should be asking for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God will reveal where, where to find this wisdom. God will send his person. 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts, doubts meaning he's slipping or, or is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. The apostles said, you ask but don't receive, but you don't receive. And so then uh, we're talking about also, and then they say fornicators, and we know about the harlot that sits upon the scarlet beast. She is conformed to this beast. She sits upon him. She is so drawn to him and doesn't she doesn't even understand that she's sitting upon the scarlet beast. Apostle Paul, confirming this thought, this nature of stumbling where or slipping where he leaves his calling. Hebrews 1035 35-39 Therefore do not cast away your confidence which was has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. In the Revelation, Book of Revelation, the mystery has been fulfilled, it's written. And so we have this confidence that it's been fulfilled. We need to live as if it's already been fulfilled. We're in process, but inside it's fulfilled. And then, of course, it will become visibly in the visible world. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not, when the soul of man is not favorable, soul of God is not favorable to man, uh, this will be for their perdition. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And so the Apostle uh, notes here, we are not of those who draw back to perdition. If a, if the Lord is not uh, favorable to a person, then he will draw back. But, and so we see this fine line, this red line. There's no, this, there's no uh, lukewarm uh, place or position to be in. It's one or the other. That red line begins to push out a per- or thrust out a person from his place if he does not want to follow the truth, however long he's been in the church. This nature of slipping or stumbling has a negative, uh, of course, negative meaning. To stumble or to slip is to lean away from the faith, to step away from the truth. We know that in the last days, many will uh, fall away. It says they will be attracted by many forms of deception and teachings that are demonic to uh, lean away from the faith, to step away from the truth, to start. uh, It also means to start stepping away also in the opposite direction. This person still has time to change his mind, but he... And so you, again, step away, start stepping away from the opposite direction of God. And so when 
a person turns one degree from if you can imagine he's going to eternity direction of eternity and so you can't lean away from to the left or to the right but walk uh, directly according to the truth upon the right path you lean away three degrees or so you will end up somewhere different by the time you get to the end here we're talking like uh, in for example uh, a cosmic form uh, where uh, something or a planet will lean three degrees from where it needs to go it'll end up somewhere very differently than where it was supposed to be and so when the degrees don't match up to God's degree or of uh, where you need to be um, that will lead you from God or away from God naturally there's also a different nature of slipping or stumbling that a God does uh, see and he demonstrates his favor and this type uh, is to tremble, to shake, to be worried, is to become weary, is to uh, take on reproach, to be shaken, to overcome suffering. And you say, well, God has the, does this work? Well, God does that work. Uh, according to this meaning, the tr- uh, slipping of a righteous person is... Uh, is is the furnace of God. And so you ask God, put me upon the correct path and begin, um, put me into the furnace, judge me, uh, send me a person that would be able to teach me where I am so that I can correct my way. According to this thought, the uh, slipping or stumbling is God's furnace where he cleanses his gold from all kinds of foreign particles or everything needs to be melted out, cleaned out so that there not be any anything foreign in it. And this is a necessary process that God subjects us to. Every uh, person who w- wants to be in the kingdom of heaven and so if you have the intention to be saved and, and be in the kingdom of heaven, but I don't want to be in the furnace, a person may say, and they say, well, I will try to somehow end up there in a different way. Uh, if you are a candidate for the kingdom of heaven, if you have decided to follow the Lord and say you are a student of Christ, this is that red line. It will separate from uh, left to right. It will cleanse out this lukewarm area uh, and puts a person into the one or the other category. And so the remnant, this is the chosen by God uh, remainder, this is the first fruits, firstborn. And one that is a, a priority, you could say, is the, is the remnant. And so one that is obviously opposite to this is one who is a wicked as Esau was. Uh, again, firstborn, one that is preference or priority, one that is cleansed from foreign particles, one who is pure, upright, and who is virgin. In the Gethsemane uh, mount where they had arrested Jesus, where they had arrested him, 
they led him uh, to crucify him. And he experienced the specific nature of, of, of slipping in the situation that David talked about, and he was in danger. Here's what Mark and Luke say about this, Mark 14, 32 through 36. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. He then said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you, but what you will. And the prayer of every holy person needs to be finished in this very same way. When we experience what it's talking about here, of course, God will never give His holy person the ability, uh, something to overcome that He's not able to overcome. Everything is uh, weighed out properly. He knows you'll be able to overcome uh, whatever it is that is put uh, sent your way. And this particular stumbling or slipping in this case. This kind of slipping was not uh, counted to Christ or he, as uh, something to doubt him for, but actually brought forth support. And the, uh, the angel came to him, if you remember, and supported him. Isaiah 66, 8, 9, when, when has, has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. You know, sometimes there is a question, will I make it? Will I be able to pass everything that God has for the remnant? And pastor answered this question. He brought forth a place of scripture. You will make it. One that loves God will make it. And even if a very little time remains, God will lead him through this process and he will be ready. A great a comfort of the Lord. Sometimes young people come to me and say, will I make it? You know this. You have so much knowledge of everything. And you were st even in the Stanley Church and you were able to uh, learn. And we feel like we haven't experienced anything yet or been through anything yet. I'm 16, 17, 15, 16 years old. We haven't been through much of what is necessary, experienced it. And so if you love God, if you're ready, if you're ready to agree with this and receive this word and say, Lord, I want this may be according to your word. I agree to pay any price. God will take you and pull you through this process and, and get you ready. A, a miraculous way God will work to get you ready. But it's not that you say, well, I then don't need to commit right now. I could uh, spend uh, time in the world for a little while longer, then I'll do it later. Of course, that's not what, that, what this is for. 
and you'll say, well, there's one day le left you, then I'll, then I'll do it, but then I'll be, of course, too late. Then you are not Zion when the Lord calls, and you say, well, I still want to spend a little more time in the world before. In Hebrew and in the Greek language, the word to support or uphold means is to strengthen, to make strong, to clothe with a greater form of power, to lift up to a different virtue calling, a uh, different level. And so, in the prayer psalms, uh, we see a specific type of slipping, and in specific other places, he shows a type of slipping that the children of God experienced when they came out from Egypt. And this is a not this is not a very big uh, number of people that actually went through this experience Oh God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of, of Israel. You, O oh God, sent a plentiful rain, whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. In Deuteronomy, it says, uh, in chapter 31, and so the enemies that we have, it's written here that they are the vine, but the vine of Sodom, and their uh, grapes are bitter, and their wine is as the venom of a serpent. I have uh, a vengeance, and their feet will slip, for the day of their destruction is coming, and what is waiting for them will soon come, come to pass. And so upon one field, as we know, for till a specific time, the time of harvest, uh, if you pay attention, the slipping of the feet of the righteous or the wicked happen when the time of reward comes. The true worshippers of God put on a greater form of power and re uh, receive specific dignity and a different level. The wicked, at the time of the slipping of their feet, they are clothed in shame and inherit destruction. These people say, well, I don't see anything here. I'm going to go uh, somewhere else. Because... The true worshippers were seeking to know God, but the uh, wicked seek prosperity, materialistic prosperity and anointing, so that they can use it for uh, to control the inheritance of God. And so we see the comparison, uh, constantly showing this comparison in Scripture of the slipping of the righteous and the slipping of the wicked, to see the difference uh, between the two. Woe to them that they have distanced themselves from me. They themselves make the decision. They themselves have distanced themselves. 
and destruction to them. They fell away from me. I saved them, but they spoke uh, decepting words against me. And they called to me. They gathered because of bread and wine, but they distanced themselves from me. I called to them and I strengthened them, but they devised evil against me. They turned to the Most High, but became as an unfaithful wolf. Their princes shall fall by the sword. This will be a mockery over them in the land of Egypt, Hosea 7, 13-16. And so the uh, people being inspired by the evil spirit, uh, they try to deceive uh, even the deceive even the most elect now brethren concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come let no one deceive you by any means for that day will come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God do not remember that when do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things and now you know that what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way 2 Thessalonians 2 1 through 6 and so second question what means need to be used or will God use to support us with his mercy and what do we need to do to prepare the way for God's mercy in order to answer these questions, we'll read Proverbs as any other proverb uh, is misunderstood. Proverbs 8:27 through 31. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress its command, when he marked out the foundation of the earth, and I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world. And my delight was with the sons of men. We see here the work of redemption that God has done for the sake of his remnant, and all of the aspects of redemption that are done by God in this place of scripture are redemption are only for his remnant, because when God created the visible world, Men did not yet exist. But in the creation, they did take part because he foreknew them, if you remember. The visible creation is to be looked at uh, in the visible to see the invisible and eternal. And for this, we need to have a supernatural understanding that we are able to receive only by being instructed in faith upon a specific by appointed by God's place and a person that is appointed by God that is placed over us to be able to tend his flocks. And we will remember that in this uh, proverb, the sons of men that are filled with the Spirit are the chosen by God remnant that are clothed into their new person that are not belong to any religious specific denomination.
they don't have any specific nationality. It doesn't matter what nationality you're from. It makes no difference or any social or cultural status, poor or not poor, famous or not. In Christ Jesus, circumcised or uncircumcised. In Christ, there's no male or female gender. Absolutely not important. Makes no difference. The body of Christ. Colossians 3, 10, 11, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, uncircumcised or circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And so some people may say, well, I don't like Asians or any other uh, uh, any other uh, peoples of any, or, or uh, I don't like white people or black people. And so some, today, there's people like, black people don't like white people, and so it's, and so don't say of yourself that you're white or black or any other color. But in Jesus Christ, these things don't exist. And so those who participate in this don't understand that God has plans to clothe each person into uh, the new person, and they people are trying to imitate people of the world. Looking at the above place, uh, a proverb, looking at the aspects of redemption, in these aspects we can see how the mercy of God will support us when our feet will slip. Specifically in these aspects, we see God's role and the role of the words of man that are filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, together with the Son of Man. God created man in the sixth day, and the number six uh, is the son of, uh, the number of man. A person created in the image and likeness of God has three parts of him, spirit, soul, and body, and united they're called to pursue one goal, to seek God, and in seeking God, fulfill three functions. And so the number six, identifying a person or his essence, has three, six, six, and six. And so, because he's th- a person is three, it's six, six, and six. People, some people are afraid. They say, oh, s- don't say the six word, six, six, number, six, six, six. If we have these six, there will be nothing to fear. Then the number of man is overcome because this is the number of man. And so, pastor brings forth six uh, from the book of Proverbs. This is the preparation of the heavens. And so, drawing a circle, if you remember, and then establishing the clouds, and then uh, confirming the springs uh, that are beneath, and then placing the statutes and the foundation that's in the sea, and also placing the law for the foundation of the earth. And so preparing the heavens is to renew your mind by the spirit of your mind and being clothed into your new person. 
Как говорит Господь, который дал солнце для освещения днем, уставы луне и звездам для освещения ночью, которые возмущают море так, что... Jeremiah 31, 35, and Lord, thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from bef before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. And so you look at the places of Scripture and the conditions God gives, and some people say, well, this is just for priests. These are people who study the law. I have enough of what I have, and I live peacefully. And, and so God's statutes, the, Jesus says, if the statutes stop uh, working, you are the salt of the earth, you are light to the world. And so if the salt loses its flavor, if a person loses his holiness, if he loses this uh, trembling before God's word, then he, he says, then this person will be cast out because it's of no use. Uh, you can't use it for anything. The statutes stop working, stop functioning. And so my nation, that was my nation, will stop being before my nation uh, uh, before me anymore. And they, any longer they will not be, and I will cast them out. A person stops sanctifying themselves. They stop trembling before his word. And he said, well, I don't understand things this way and began to understand their own ways um, to prepare the heavens as to instruct and to give knowledge. This is also to discipline. In Ephesians it's written, And so when it says, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, Proverbs 8.27, as we are trembling before God's words, we've noted, uh, the pastor preaches and says, I don't turn to you about certain things he sometimes says. When we hear these words, we say, Lord, I stand, but help me not fall. And this word, it continues to uh, allow me to stand straight, stand firm, and so lead me with your word. And don't allow me to lose tr that, that state of trembling before your word, to cherish your word, to listen to it, to prepare my heart. And so we continuously need to sanctify ourselves so we can dedicate ourselves so that it can be functional and we'd be ready at every time before the Lord. When you draw a circle on the face of the deep, this is to establish in the essence of the new person boundaries of holiness that are called to identify 
within his essence the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven. At one time, uh, God had said, "May uh, draw a circle around the mountain, or create a circle." And so, a person he says, even uh, uh, if someone stands over the the boundary of that circle, there will be a penalty to pay. And so, when a person uh, here's the truth of God. He needs to tremble and say, Lord, how should I behave myself? How do I act? What do I do going forward? That should be the, the state of the heart because the line is drawn around the mountain, the circle. And so a person not uh, overstep or an animal. Uh, that was the condition. And so you say, Lord, well, how can I understand that? You need to understand as... Uh, you are what you are you are told go here and don't go here as the example of this person don't follow this example as this person follow this example and so god fulfill his role amongst us his word he says the holy spirit is not silent circle is a symbol of immortality that identifies eternity or the kingdom of heaven and eternal life in god in us and so drawing a circle in the essence of a person is separating the old person from the new and so the old person is disobedience and grumbling uh, you need to separate from all of that and in no way mix the line needs to separate the one from from the left to the end to the right and not overstep we oftentimes here don't allow uh, a profane uh, thought enter your mind uh, not think in those and don't allow those kinds of thoughts within your essence with all of these uh, results that come from drawing the circle on the face of the deep pretty much uh, is authority or power over the current uh, situation that you're in or having authority over it. Ezekiel 2041 and lower. I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will be hallowed in you, bef- in you before the Gentiles. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I raised my hand in an oath to give you to your, to your fathers. And so to draw a circle on the face of the deep is the identification of the new person and separating him from the old. And so the lawgiver, the commander, to be chopped out, uh, to be drawn, to be engraved, the establishing or confirming of something or a command that is given. And so all these things are included in this, uh, being prepared for sanctification, to be separated from one thing and another thing, to uh, draw a line between light and darkness, and these uh, are the laws and the prophets and statutes. 
Statutes are instructions that explain in, upon what place, in, by what means, and in what time, and in what sequence you are supposed to fulfill a specific law or commandments that are given, that are drawn on the circle on the face of the deep. The deep is the mind of Christ in the heart of a person, the de- depths of the riches of wisdom, as it is in Scripture, in the good heart of a person that identifies the character of his heart. James 3.17 But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Third, we, we have six of them. And so it says here, when he established the clouds above, Proverbs 8, 28, it says, when he established the clouds above. Job 37, 11 and lower, also with moisture he saturates the, cl- the thick clouds, he scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about being turned by his guidance that they may be do whatever his he commands them on the face of the whole earth. To establish is to make more firm, to make stronger, to make immovable, to make stable, to be immovable, to be strong, to be restored, to be safe. These are all definitions of establish. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive, said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. John 20, 21 through 22. Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with the judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so the uh, end that we're talking about, there is no end that there's a, if there's a establishing of of boundaries we we establish them when the next is when he strengthened the foundation fountains of the deep and assigned the sea its limits Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence, who have placed the sand at the, at the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it, and though its waves toss to and from, yet they cannot prevail, though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it? Isaiah 48, 18, 19, Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, and your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand, and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. 
And so here it's talking about these uh, grains of sand. Uh, it's talking about the fruits of the spirit of a person. And the Lord identifies the statute and he identifies the boundaries of the calling of a person where he can increase, expand his his boundaries and where he can't and shouldn't go or where he should not expand. And he can't he shouldn't be fulfilling the calling of a different person. And the sixth and final And then when he marked out the foundations of the earth, growing the seed of the kingdom of heaven in the good soil of our heart is called to come to a specific state where it's able to then in the marked out holiness that God has placed in the foundation of the earth as it says this is the truth the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh Luke 1 4 it's written that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed Psalm 104.5 You who lay the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. When God gets to know a person and the person receives God's seal that differentiates him from others and that serves for this person as the immovable foundation that God has established him upon and according to scripture God has known his own. Second Timothy, it's written, the saints that God has known are different from those saints he has not known. As the wife of the king is different from other women, it's the same way the, the those that God knows from other Christians. When God gets to know a person, a person gets to know God at the same time, and you, they both become one essence, and a person then receives a solid foundation in God and is clothed into the greatest virtue and power of God. God gets to know his own in the situation where his own uh, reached that age where they can testify. Songs of Solomon 8.10 I am a wall and my breast like towers. Then I became in his eyes as one who has found peace. A couple more places of scripture and we will pray. Jeremiah 31.37 is written, Thus says the Lord, If heaven above can be measured and the foundation of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. And so the depths of the riches of God's knowledge, how uncomprehending is it because there's so there's so much of it, uh, how can we understand it all? Because it will be revealed a little bit at a time, and even for the apostles, it was opened in measure to the first apostles in comparison to what God is revealing for the body today. And so when a person says, I absolutely know everything about God, there's nothing more to know, this is the situation where we read in Jeremiah 31:37. We are the people that have humbled ourselves as an infant that says, well, I don't know how to live, and I don't know how to understand, and I don't know how to behave if you don't teach me, Lord, and then I will know. That is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This uh, 
candidate for the kingdom of heaven. And so, one who says that they know everything is obviously in a troubled situation. And so we are called to allow, uh, to collaborate with God, to do His work in us, and God is doing it in every one of us every week, and we are called to thank Him for that and collaborate with Him in this work and allow Him to complete this work in us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the greatness of knowledge, knowing your truth. You have magnified your word above all your name. We are your servants. We have not desired to be in the counsel of the ungodly or stand upon the paths of sinners or to sit in the assembly of the corrupt or wicked. We have turned our will toward God's law. As your word says, my law shall come from Jerusalem and we have heard this word in your teaching in the 12 teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh and have made it our own foundation upon which you said who will stand will not ever stumble or be moved. We thank you for this mercy and that you have revealed to us the ability upon this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name, to search and research the truth, to build our house upon this foundation, not to build upon sand or build upon the multitude of different words coming from different preachers, but coming to the house of God and become obedient to your truth, acknowledge the placed by you person, to learn your wisdom to know your glory and we will be before your face as those who have found peace. Thank you that you have begun to do this work in us and you will continue to do it until the day of your coming and when you bring us to perfection you will come for your saints. We thank you that you have identified the goals you have for us and we wait for the clothing of our body into into the resurrection of Christ before your face. We thank you that this is the sign for your redeemed and the rapture of your bride. We wait for this sign. We thank you for this sign that you write right in you and this is given to your delegated one and written into our own heart. We rejoice about this word as one who has found great gain. We rejoice about this word as those who have received a great wealth and all the perishable wealth of the world has become dim in our eyes. They are no longer valuable. 
they're no longer interesting because we have received the great reward, the great gain. This is your word about clothing our body into the righteousness of the new person and the resurrection of Christ, which is why do the work, Lord, that you have spoken to your prophets. We thank you and we worship before your face for these great and precious promises, our great Godson and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.